Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. throughout this uh this stream like we normally do to kick things off but what is going on everybody welcome in to episode number 424 of underground sports philadelphia kind of an underground radio show day today we're gonna have successive shows going uh all throughout the night so we're kicking it off here on underground sports philadelphia right after this top bins will be live over on our facebook page and then it'll conclude with myself and dylan for streamer season around nine o'clock so Strap in for some Underground Sports Philadelphia content. We got a lot to dive into on this show from the Phillies, the Sixers, and the NFL Draft. Uh, but before we get started, make sure you're following us on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, at UndergroundPHI. Check out the Facebook page, facebook.com slash UndergroundSportsPHI. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. You can follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. Subscribe to the podcast feeds still on those charts in Armenia, cooking over there three, week, three weeks straight uh, on the top 100 chart in Armenia. So shout out to our Armenian listeners. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leave those five-star ratings and reviews. And, of course, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, full video episodes, of your favorite underground sports Philadelphia podcast on our YouTube channel. Now across the board, you're going to have a ton of them tomorrow morning. If you're watching this live on Twitch, uh, over on our YouTube channel, you'll have, uh, underground sports. You'll have top bins and you'll have streamer season all to consume on our YouTube channel tomorrow. Uh, big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main auto LLC, Ducharms pro foot security, 21 security systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. Of course, Tomahawk Shades, the best small batch eyewear in the game. You guys can go to TomahawkShades.com, use our promo code USP at checkout for 25% off your entire order at TomahawkShades.com. Pick up the, the best in the business when it comes to props. It's free to play. Anybody can play. Uh, get your final uh, prop predictions in for the NL East run differential for the month of April because a whole new one starts by the time we record next week for the month of May. Philly's making some ground there. They're making some ground to improve their run differential. Uh, so head over to playpickup.com. Start uh, building your fan profiles up. Get those points. Cash them in for prizes on the pickup marketplace at playpickup.com. And, of course, the homies over at Kenwood Beer. Go to kenwoodbeer.com. Use the Kenny tracker to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area you got to be 21 or older to do so, and, of course, please drink responsibly. What's going on, Matt? Living the dream. We uh, we got a lot to dive into. Figure we start with uh, the bats getting hot yep. in South Philly. The Phillies uh, take the first two games against the Rockies after just a disappointing uh, performance last week against the Brewers in some winnable games. I talked about Angel Hernandez on Sunday night's show. I uh, wanted to get your thoughts on that to kick things off. 
and just his horrendous umpiring. And then, of course, the bats just getting hot and playing well against a team that the Phillies should be beating. Well, there's a power vacuum in a most hated empire now uh, that Angel Hernandez is making a very clear grab for. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, my my opinion on is, is this. If you're going to get tossed, uh, just go full send yes. because there's really no – unless you get physical, there's no, like, extra action that's going to be taken on you, so you might as well just let it all out. Same reason, like, managers, once they get ejected, yeah. they start, like, throwing the plate and stuff because it's like, you might as well just get a little bit out of you, right. you know, um, get your money's worth. So I appreciate Schwarber's blow up. Um, it was a, a bad call, and there had been bad calls, as he said, on both sides. He said it a lot more colorfully, but – frustrating series for sure against the Brewers and it's kind of funny because now against the Rockies with the offensive output this is the type of performance you were expecting when you went to Colorado Mm -hmm. uh not when you came back to Philadelphia and you're playing in like 40 degree weather and it's monsooning uh halfway through uh not (laughs) also shout out to the Rockies social team for playing into I think we talked about this when it happened remember when uh the Denver Post put a whole thing about like oh the things to see at Coors Field and then it was just a blatant picture of Citizens Bank Park <laughs> the Rockies uh tweeted a video on Monday for the first game of the series it's like Coors Field looks great this time of year and it was just a drone <laughs> video footage of all of Citizens Bank Park it was fantastic that's amazing yeah um so it's good to see them you know we had talked last week about how the offense hadn't really been consistent enough and this series is improving it the Rockies aren't the most amazing team I think they've flattered to deceive at the early stages of the season and pitching has been like a continual issue for them. So I guess in a way it's like not surprising that you've, you've done what you've done uh, offensively to this team. I think what's impressive has been the pitching again now. Like we've, it reminds me a lot of last year where we, we can never quite get both at the same time and we're, we're, we're getting it this series, but um, we would go like a week and a half with great pitching, especially starting pitching. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would lose games like 2-1. And then we would go like, I don't know, a week, two weeks with winning games 10-7 or losing games 9-6. to Like, you know, like we were just, we were going through these ebbs and flows a lot. And uh, this team was struggling for consistency. And I think that's been fair to say so far this year with this Phillies team. Um, but this could be the first series win that you've had besides opening weekend against the Athletics, which... Um, not great. No. When you're several series into the year. And Almost already, a month. And you've already lost uh, some pivotal ones in the division, and you have a big one coming up now too. But um, it is good. Wins are good no matter what, no matter who against. That's that's what matters. Um, the Rockies, the Athletics, those are teams that the Phillies should be winning season series against. Um, this is what the team should be doing. So that's good. It's a good like course correction for them. Yeah, 100%. And I think – the the biggest thing I'm taking away from this is like the pitching has like you said the pitching has looked good it's just the runs haven't been there the Phillies are to start this season the most second half team we've seen in a long time like in their first five innings of games this year I, I can't even tell you the number it is but like from innings six through nine it's almost like those numbers have doubled so they are playing from behind typically but then when the late innings come around, they flip a switch and they're able to pull out wins uh, when those situations happen. They're 8-10 and 10 right now, tied with the Braves in the division. Um, but, I mean, the month of May, you get a real gauntlet to, to kick things off for this team. And I'm pretty sure, if I'm looking at this correctly, yeah, you have seven games 
including the the last couple days of April, seven games in the next week against the Mets. <sighs> the very good looking Mets, uh, the fourteen and six New York Cicadas. Yeah, well, you know, it's a long it's a long season. Let's say that uh, because the Mets have impressed us up until June in years past. Um, yeah, this that, that's that's the series that matters the most, and that's that's what's going to matter a lot this year is how we said it, you know, coming into the season, playing against the division is where this team is really going to be tested because this is where the opportunity for growth is. Um, I think there's already been discussion about Girardi's position, which I don't think is unfair. I think I tweeted last year, even mm-hmm. like a, maybe a game into the year, not, not even the good vibes are still there then, but I, I think even like a month into the season, it's like, all right, like when do we start holding this guy accountable and just get o- get it over with? <laughs> like, it's like, it's like very Doc Rivers-esque, which we'll get to, but you know, like in that we don't really need to have the playoff collapse before we know that this guy maybe yeah. just isn't it. Maybe this is not the position for us. I mean, I said it when we hired him, you know, I questioned why he would want to leave a comfortable MLB network job, breaking down the game where he seemed like he was enjoying himself to come back into this high pressure, stress filled manager job for a team that is playing in a city that has unbelievable expectations for you. And you just fired a guy who was supposed to be, you know, the next big thing. And then he goes out to San Francisco and he's becoming that next big thing. And Joe Girardi has really added no value whatsoever in terms of wins and losses to this team where a manager in baseball, you don't expect them to be such a a big swing in terms of, you know, adding, you know, 10 plus wins to a team. But that's the bill of, of falsehood that the Phillies front office sold to Phillies fans who don't have a brain. And Joe Girardi's just not that. He's not a guy that's going to put his hand into swinging a game one way or another because he's, he's oh, no, just he'll old do, uh, No, he'll do that. Well, he'll yeah. Do- <laughs> no, he'll do, he'll do it in a negative way. That's for sure. It's like when people say anything can happen. We always say that in a positive way. Like, that is generally accepted as a positive phrase. Be like, apply for that job. You know, anything can happen. Like, go to school. Yeah, anything can happen. You know, you can, you can do whatever you want. We always forget anything anything has two sides to the coin i mean anything the the earth could crater beneath your feet and swallow you into earth's core i don't know that's a that's a thing that could happen that's how i felt last night watching the game when the phillies were comfortably up 10-3 and then multiple defensive substitutions which was like that was like joe girardi like getting one off that he's wanted forever because now that the dh is in the national league there's no double switching but he's like oh here come the defensive replacements let me get my signs in let's go let's switch in four guys move a guy to first base that's you know been behind the plate all day yeah if i can think of a single team that uh is it's actually better for the phillies if you confuse everyone (laughs) and like there's a team that could ever just like Every infield position covered solidly defensively. This is the team you really want to experiment with. These guys are so versatile. We're like begging for one of these guys to just be good enough to play first base, maybe. <laughs> the DH was the single most important rule change to the Philadelphia Phillies, maybe ever. Yeah. Because we're like, finally, <laughs> one of these frauds doesn't have to play defense. Our boy's back, too. As of last night, officially, Roman Quinn back with the Phils. Great. 
He did have an all-time... I'm looking forward to his seven games this year. <laughs> had an all-time hashtag Philly guy quote where they asked him, you know, because he was a non-roster invitee of the Marlins this year during spring training, and then got released, came back to the Phillies. He said, it just didn't feel right. Hey. You know what? Sometimes the red pinstripes are just meant for you. Good to have him back, but maybe the most underwhelming thing you could have told me. It's not. It's like... Wow. He's a guy that was constantly injured and couldn't hit. Um, that's it. He was fast. He could maybe be a body in the outfield in like July, but that's, that's I think, even questionable at this point. Um, yeah. I think the fact that he, he wasn't able to cut it in the Marlins roster, which the batting roster, the, 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 the positional areas for that team, I think that says a lot about Yeah, I, I forget if he asked for his release or – if he was cut just cause he's a, he's got like the veteran thing where he mm-hmm. can like ask for the release from just, spring training, but it's not a great, yeah, not a great element. You know, it's like seeing locusts fly to your house. Like that's probably not great. That's actually probably not. They'll be at city me. field soon enough. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I mean the biggest thing that I'm taking away right now is that the Phillies are hitting because Girardi's putting in consistent lineups. Yeah. That's definitely been a, a welcome change. Um, there's there's a guy playing too that uh that we don't really care much for but um have to say has <laughs> it fucking sucks but uh, decently he's been he's been decent uh that sucks but uh yeah that I do think there's been a little more consistency which which helps and I think again too like this is a team and offense across baseball hasn't been spectacular uh, to start this season yeah the baseballs are apparently dead again yeah which. Okay, so this is what's confusing to me. No other sport does this or has the conversations that baseball does all the time with, like, the sticky tack, right, and or deadening the balls or lightening the balls or corking the balls or whatever. Like, where the league openly says, too, like, yeah, we're deadening the balls so there's less offense. What other league does that? Like, None. college basketball, they switched to a different ball, and everyone was, like, losing their minds. People were throwing themselves off roof of, roofs of parking garages over that. And now we're, like, at this stage where baseball just is open. Like, yeah, we're just, like, <laughs> whenever we feel like, are just tampering with the balls. <laughs> There's just nothing you can do it's about insane. it. It's insane. It's crazy to me that that's just something that's just something we accept. That we're just like, yeah, right. that's what the – this year's a dead ball year. Next year it'll be – <laughs> next year it'll be better. I got to find – Talking Baseball tweeted uh, stats and a graphic about, like, the dead baseballs and, like, guys' batting averages this year. Like, there's, like, 56 guys – who are like consistent like everyday players this year who are hitting below 200. Yeah. Like not great. That's not good. Like I mean it's it, if you're Rob Manfred because you want to kill baseball, that's good for you, but it, it's a terrible look for trying to bring people in when when everybody says, "Oh, the way to fix baseball is add more offense." There are people <laughs> we've said it, just let them do steroids again. Like Why let not? them juice up. That's that's when baseball was like must see TV. Open the floodgates, just like, let it happen. Bring it back, and now you're deadening the ball, and there's guys hitting below 200 for an entire month. Well, I think part of it too is like so much like the advancement too. I I feel like in baseball has been like more pitching oriented, and like hitters don't have the advantages maybe they used to. And I think a lot of that has to do with analytics too. And I'm not saying these are necessarily bad things, but I think offense in general 
is becoming harder. It's funny because offense in every other sport because of analytics is improving. It's getting more and more efficient and better and better. You look at that in NFL, NBA, like it's it's harder now to play defense in those sports. It's actually easier now, from the pitching perspective at least. It's easier now than ever, I think, that to, to have like, you're not getting like, you know, eight inning pitching performances anymore but I, I do think like you're getting like more solid we're understanding too about like relief pitching and how much more important that is like platooning guys for an inning and I just I, I think a lot of the advancements analytics have made and a lot of the just sports science stuff has funnily enough compared to when you look at other sports where like analytics has brought them it's actually like the pitching that's improved the, the defensive mm-hmm. aspect rather than like the hitting hitting has improved too i don't want to make it seem like there's been nothing about you know exit velocity and barrel rate and things like that but um i do think like pitching has markedly improved like you look at the quality of just like a third guy now and it's like that guy was probably an ace in like 2003 yeah <laughs> like you know like honestly like he's starting game one of the world series. yeah i mean it's kind of insane like yeah i just think and that's just talent in general like if Shohei Itani showed up in 1983 i think people would have like called him a witch and i think he would have been barred from the sport actually and he's like the most unicorn of them all but yeah. like i think that's just where we're going it's just like yeah this guy's just fucking insane it's wild um and i mean the the big hope that we we want is the phillies to obviously just keep hitting and that'll improve their run differential which yes. brings us to the nle's run differential brought to you by the homies over at pickup you guys can go to playpickup.com now start playing the hottest headlines in sports including the nle's run differential game with myself and matt all season long and month by month uh it's the easiest way and the most fun way to play the props uh you rack up points on your fan profile cash them in for prizes go to playpickup.com now uh but before we do that matt i do have a hilarious meme that was retweeted onto my timeline that kind of plays in to the phillies run differential uh skyrocketing uh over the last couple of days let me see where i put it did you see uh john morant's dunk last night i did so jawbreaker as it was what a call by the way fantastic that was uh, i can't believe it's taken us this long to get there with john Morant. right like that's just how did no one think of that yet good for him great moment too (laughs) great moment great play and an even better meme was made from it sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work and with the rise of streaming platforms new tv shows and movies are popping up every single week and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch well that's where streamer season comes in the exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for tv and movies on the underground sports philadelphia podcast network join me kb and a plethora of our hosts right here at usp breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I'll try. I know the Mets are in first place with the run differential. So if you want to rattle off the run differential here we go. Uh, Mets are top of the run differential with 38. Marlins sitting at plus four. Braves at minus 12. The Phillies, plus two. 
the duality of man. Uh, the Braves are eight and ten. The Phillies are eight and ten. Braves have a minus twelve run differential. The Braves, <laughs> the Phillies have a, a plus two. Um, that tells you uh, a lot about. That's kind of a positive though for the Phillies yes. in a way, even though like a lot of the run differential correction has come over the past couple days. That's a good sign that you know they're below five hundred, but their run differential is starting to swing positive. So that should correlate to more wins. Yeah, they're they're in the the Marlin zone where it's like, how are you below five hundred yet your run differential is like not terrible? Uh, Nationals, Ugh, yikes! Might want to might want to close your ears, Nationals fans. I don't know where you're listening to us if you are, but uh, minus forty one. Yikes! One hundred and five runs against this year. Um, I'm just looking very briefly. That yeah, that's the worst in baseball. It's like that has to be wow. the worst. Now they've played, uh, I think the most games. They've played nineteen games already, so that that is working against them. Um. But damn, that's tough. <laughs> the Reds, whose owner on like opening weekend was like openly saying like, "I don't give a shit. Uh, you can watch baseball somewhere else." I guess uh, have only only had ninety three runs against them, three and fourteen. Um, few games less, of course, they could catch up. But I think that just goes to show the Nationals in a, a bad spot. So Phillies positive, first time in a while. We will take it since literally like opening opening week. day, but. <laughs> Uh, but here, here, you know, this has been a, a big contribution to the Phillies' run differential. Great meme. <laughs> yes. Absolutely love it. Uh, but, I mean, hey, if, if they can continue to hit, which the Phillies right now, if you guys are watching live, they are winning, I believe, last I checked. Yeah. one nothing top of the second. Um, so just keep winning. Like, keep scoring. Whatever's working hitting-wise right now, keep doing it. Yep. Like gonna have to agree with that you're gonna you're gonna have to swing through everything because the balls are dead but figure it out and whatever they're doing right now is working so what i think is interesting too is like you have had a lot of like spring training issues uh Mm -hmm. this year and i wonder too like maybe normally too like as you approach summer you get like better offense and you know they always talk about like that was hit in july that's out of here whatever i do think there's more truth to that than ever i think also when you just think about these guys have not been worked in a lot um, it is it is a difference when you have that like postponement and then spring training I, it was a little shortened. I I wouldn't be surprised if like in two or three weeks we start to see things at like a more normal level. Mm-hmm. Especially when the weather gets a little better too, yeah. and you know you get you get guys finally kind of in a groove because that we've seen that up close and personal kind of with Zach Wheeler over the past couple starts with him where like he looked bad in Miami. And then this past weekend against the Brewers, although he only went five innings, he looked like a completely different player. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think the the whole shortened and kind of sped up spring training has affected a lot of guys, especially on the pitching end and then hitting-wise, just timing. I think that's been the biggest issue. And one thing that I want the Phillies to do is just start taking more pitches. Yeah, It seems like every single guy in the lineup is swinging first pitch, and it's like... I haven't looked... Um... There's a great stat. It's called chase rate, which is like how often guys are. It's pretty descriptive. It's, mm-hmm. it's how often guys are chasing balls uh, that are outside of the zone. I haven't looked at the Phillies numbers um, since like the first like week and a half, but I do wonder about where they're they're at with that because um, <laughs> I like that you googled that and we're getting uh, <laughs> mortgage rates. <laughs> you can tell it's not a, a advanced stat that's caught on a ton yet. Uh, because it's still getting <laughs> siphoned by Chase Bank. <laughs> well, let's find out. Let's find out what mortgage we could get, Kyle. 
<laughs> what us do we millennials have for? to stick together, I think, to, to buy to buy homes now. So uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. But, yeah, I, I am curious to see because it, it does seem like a team that's been pretty aggressive uh, this year. So let's see. We might we might have to pay to find out the chase rate. <laughs> this oh, there might it be is. a point there discipline. Is. Here we go. Is there a way to organize this? Like if you click on it. Yeah. Uh, chase percentage. Yeah, so lower, I, I believe, is better. You know, you're not chasing as much. Right. Where the yep, Phillies are one of the most aggressive. <laughs> Um, Let's do it this way here. Yeah. So the Red Sox, Yankees, A's, Phillies, Marlins, surprisingly, um, rounding out like the top grouping there. Some good teams in there, though, you know, like fair ball percentage. <laughs> yeah. Some of these are really funny. That's great. It's like the uh, it's like the Jokic stuff. It's like, yeah, the tissue box score, you know, <laughs> what's his mug score? I'm just looking at things around the room. Because I, I remember uh, I was listening to the, the broadcast a couple days ago, and Tom McCarthy said Bryce Harper first pitch swing percentage. He's swinging at 72% of first pitches. Like, Bryce, calm down, buddy. That's probably why your elbow's a little injured. He just wants to get out there. Oh, is that why? It's not the DD, uh, <laughs> it's not the DD reason? <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Take take some pitches and get into a groove. And I, yeah. I've noticed it with almost everybody in the lineup is just swinging first well, pitch. Well, you noticed it, and the stats back it up, Kyle. There, there we go. go. Look it's, at that. I'm not crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean, they've seen as a team almost 2,500 pitches as of the update of BaseballSavant.com, and they're chasing almost 31% of the pitches. Cool. <laughs> Listen, when they said they were going to mash balls, they were not kidding. Like, that's what they were going to do. Smash the bell, Listen, everybody. I'm just saying Red Sox, Yankees, Phillies – Hey, you know what? If you're in that company, don't mention that the Athletics and Marlins are in there. But like, listen, if that's if that's the company we're gonna keep, I think it's fine. Not too bad. You you would you don't mind being in the same stats as, as teams like that. Fair enough. Take it. Especially when the Yankees have the uh, MLB leader in home runs. Yeah. Not bad. Uh, you brought up Miami. Hopefully, the Sixers will be there. <laughs> In a couple days, but Matt, I said on when you say hopefully, uh, what do you mean by that? Because I'm not sure I'm hopeful about anything. Yeah, I, I'm, I said Sunday. You know the the Embiid thumb injury happens, and you know they they dropped the one game in Toronto, and I was like, my concern level is probably at like a three. Like yeah. they'll they'll come home. They'll, well, they'll I think do we the even thing. said you know they'll probably split in Toronto. Come home, Be fine. Finish it up. Then they just flat out play the most embarrassing game of basketball. That we have seen them play so far in the playoffs. And this playoffs. This, this playoffs. playoffs. <laughs> Preface that. Because there's <laughs> if you're a real one, you know they're far more embarrassing. But I don't know if they're gonna win this series. I don't know if they're gonna win this series. I don't know that I would live through a game seven. I'm actually you know what, like I had my game seven experience last year with the Raptors uh two years before that. I don't know that I'm ready for that again. I'm like thinking about it right now. My hands are getting sweaty. Like, I don't know that I'm ready for that. To, and we had talked, you know, before the playoffs, when we previewed this, that losing the first round would be like a disaster, mm -hmm. like outside of like dramatic injury, whatever, uh, an absolute disaster. Um, and I'm glad that Doc Rivers is handling it so coolly and candidly when he says um, uh, he goes off on a tangent and, and says that, you know, 
actually, all those times I blew the 3-1 lead wasn't my fault. Except the one time it was my fault. But the other two times, not my fault. Those teams fucking sucked. Every player in that sucked. <laughs> um, and they were lucky to have me, actually, as a coach. Um, following Philadelphia's Game 5 loss at home to Toronto on Monday, Rivers is now 3-11 and in 14 closeout games dating back to 2015 and 15-31 in his career. That's awful. <laughs> that's an... That, that's an... <laughs> that's... Like, bad. And like, when you consider three of those closeout games, one of those is against the Wizards. <laughs> like, it's not like you were playing cream of the crop here. Like, that's usually your first round. Yikes, pal. <laughs> it's it's um it's a big worry. Let me just say, I still believe the 76ers are the better basketball team. But here are the issues. One, you have Doc Rivers as your coach, which is automatic red flag for me because this dude, whatever, I don't know what it is with him. I don't, I, it's hard to put your thumb on it exactly, but there is, there is a pattern. We just read it. (laughs) Right. There is a genuine pattern with Doc Rivers led teams and collapsing. And I don't know if that's a preparation thing. I don't know if that's a mentality thing. I don't know what it is. Well, they don't practice. First of all, Doc goes golfing. Right. I listen. That was a terrible performance in Philly. They looked awful. And Bede looked the most disengaged I, I've seen him. What was worse, that game or the Triple H game? Oof. Because they're kind of on similar play. Triple fields. H game because I think the stakes were higher. Yeah. Um, and, like, that, we know how that ended. This could just be a blip. Like, there's still time for this to be okay. I did initially predict Sixers and Six. Yes, we did. So this would be good for me. <laughs> if we just get it done in, like, I don't know, seven different layers, it would be good for me. But I, I still think the Sixers win this series. I do. I, I still think they're the better team. Uh, the performances have not been great. But I, I think we know that this Sixers team can play better. What, what worries me is that coming into this series, we knew that Nick Nurse could outcoach Doc Rivers. And as the series has gone on, we seen that really come to like effect now and he's also out complained Doc Rivers. right and so is Embiid Embiid has out complained everyone I think um I love Embiid and I, I'm saying something that I, I don't really mean but like I got sometimes I wish he would just shut up I really do I love him to death one of my favorite Philly athletes ever probably my favorite honestly but like sometimes I wish he would just shut up I had no issue. He does himself with... no favors, though. He does himself no favors yeah. complaining about the refs. You like you have had the leverage in this series. You had the amazing shot. You like coyly talked about how you told Nick Nurse to stop bitching about the calls, and then you lose a game, and immediately it. And listen, the refs weren't great. Fine, whatever. Like, have some awareness of like what that. Like, I mean, just come on. Like, read the room, man. Like, why would you say that? Come on. Like, don't don't be that player. Like. No one likes the guy that dishes it out and can't take it or the guy that complains about every single thing. It's like, just don't be that guy. Come on. Yeah, it sucked. The calls, there were some bad calls. This series, I get where, at least you get where he's coming from because Nick Nurse has been like the most egregious complainer this entire series and has had nothing thrown at him. Where the first time Embiid does it, boom, here's a $15,000 fine. Embiid, though, well, Embiid was directly critical of. Yeah the referees after the fact and like hinted towards them, like being like one in the game to be extended or whatever. Gotta say like, the golf clap was great. Yeah. But 
you know, so the, the difference is there. I think where Nurse has done a lot of complaining in-game, it's different after the game to sit up there and say, yeah, the refs clearly had a thing in, in mind tonight, a goal, and they did it. You know, they, they, they did what we needed to do. It's just like, I just I just wish you wouldn't say that. That's all. And I wish you would try a little better defensively. It sucks that it's... I feel like no one has mentioned at all, especially nationally, that Embiid is playing with a torn thumb ligament um, that needs surgery, but he's mm -hmm. just playing through. And this is the second straight playoffs that we've had to do this, where he looks great, and then an injury happens, and he doesn't look as good, and then the team around him collapses. And Harden has been not great, not the guy that we need him to be. Uh, and Embiid even said as much. Step up. <laughs> yeah, do better, please. Um, show him off. Come on. <laughs> Embiid... And Beatty even said as much. It was like critical of him. Not critical, right? It was if it was Ben Simmons, he would be sitting out right. till till now. But um just said he needs to be more explosive mm -hmm. and need to want it a little bit more. And um that's been a problem with Harden though. The last few weeks has been driving to the rim has not looked good for him. And I think the Raptors have as his series has gone on has figured that out a little bit. Um yeah, Maxi and, and Tobias have been uh, more cold than we needed them to be as well. So overall, I think Tobias has been like the shining star of this series, though. Yeah, Tobias has been the unrelated star, and Thibel, uh in his in his return in Game Five looked absolutely brother. dog shit. Brother, um, <laughs> thanks a lot, pal. Missing wide open threes. Uh, there were so many barren stretches in that game too, where this team just needed a bucket. He airballed the layup. I think three or four of those fell to Thibel and just missed wide. Like Way if off. you're if you're gonna take time off for your little personal decisions, <laughs> Mister Mister Medicinal Man, you you gotta be locked in when you come back. Like you were off for how how long in between game two and game yeah. five? Like come on, like a, dude. Fi a five day rest. Uh, like so that sucked. And Doc's like Doc's like over reliant sometimes on thigh bullets. Insane. <laughs> Again, the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GetInTheWholePod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. But I still think the Sixers can get this done. I, I'm not out on them, but it's... What's it your concern worrying. level at? Ooh, my concern with the Sixers is always a 10. That is my base. My, like, you know, like, your normal heart rate should be somewhere between, like, you know, for a, a normal healthy adult, it's, like, between, I think, like, 60 and 85 or mm -hmm. 90. Like, that's a normal resting heart rate for people. Mine with the Sixers is always, like, 110. Like, I'm always like, ah, don't know about these guys, man. Like, they've burned me. They've burned yeah. me so much. I've been thinking about it so often. This team has just ripped my heart out a million different times in so many different ways. And I'm... Just emotionally numb, yet always terrified. I I truly have like PTSD with this team. I really do. I like I, right now. I'm thinking of every terrible scenario. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, we're gonna be the first team to never blow a three three zero lead. That's great. Which will stick with as it us should and these players. As it should. If forever. you blow a three zero lead, you deserve. Oh and yeah. And the Raptors don't even have a true superstar. Either. It's not like you got like torched by someone amazing. No. And it's not like they're gonna go win a championship either. Losing like, to Precious Achua. <laughs> It's rough, man. It's I but all that said, all that said, truly, I, I do believe the Sixers win this series. It's not great going forward for like how we feel about this team and some of the problems that we we're concerned about have crept back in. Um Doc being one of them. <laughs> because the first like three games of the series it was like, wow, a lot has changed, hasn't it? 
we look we look good. I'm worried he's gonna like he's he's gonna like <laughs> go back to rehab and have to like play, play DeAndre Jordan. Like I'm, I was gonna I'm, say, what are the chances? I'm see? worried about the doctor relapse. I really am because I I think he he might I think he does that a lot. I think there's mm-hmm. a guy that like. He really he overcorrects. Overcorrects, and also like he has his like support crutches. Yeah, and I I, I worry that we could see that, but um, it's gonna be great with all the doom and gloom stuff if we win in Toronto, and then oh, that's yeah. like oh yeah that was it, and it was cool. like it would be the totally Philadelphia thing to overreact to like one game, and that's that's the perspective I think we need to have too is that we have outplayed this team for most of this series, and especially just, in both losses. Yeah, this has not been. They were both winnable games. Yes, yes, especially the one in Toronto. I would say yeah. in Philly, I think that was the worst performance from from us that that I'd seen in this series in terms of. Wow, and yet they still had we, a shot. We did not look up for it, and that's what worries me about that game is like, without getting too like cliched stuff, you need to have a killer instinct of yep. some kind, and that is a they game never have it. Either. That is a game that the Philadelphia 76ers have routinely never performed well in. And that's what worries me. It's the same as the Nets, you know, in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, where, like, that's a game you have to be up for. You have to be ready to murder someone in, and no one stepped up. Not even Embiid in that game. It was not It was not a good game by anyone, and that's what worries me about this team sometimes, is that they just they don't seem to have that, like, killer instinct no. sometimes. I, a, I, I'll say this. I still think this team can win a championship. I do. But I think, a, like, a championship team closes this game out in five. Yeah. I, this, this series is done right now. I, I, I do believe that. I still think they have that sliver of a chance, but that worried me a lot about, about where this team's, like, just mentality is. I You know, how do you, like, get dog-walked at home in an elimination game? And Doc Rivers, again, this has just been a... This is a trend now with him. Mm-hmm. Not even a trend. This is a profile. This is just the profile of Glenn Rivers, the coach, is that he has not done well in high-pressure games. And, I don't know, you have the most high-pressure team because... Anything other than a conference finals appearance is is not good enough this no. year. A first round loss would be disaster. You're losing your job. Surely you're losing your job. You, I think so. even if you lose, if you make it out of this, you lose to the Heat in the next round. I don't think Doc Rivers is here. No, and I, I think there's like some serious explain to. You should beat the Heat too. Well, I mean, hey, I mean, uh, I don't know if you saw Jay Wright still thinking about the NBA. So, <laughs> hey, call him up. Call him up. Like fire Doc today. Like, let Jay Wright coach game six. Yeah. Yeah, get a new mystery man in the helicopter that lands <laughs> that lands in Center City, Philadelphia. God, we have to, have to think about who it is. So, not great. I'll, no. I'll say that. Um, I am worried, uh, mostly because I don't want to have to. I, I wouldn't be able to watch playoff basketball. When the Sixers got eliminated last year, I was like, I'm over this. <laughs> we didn't talk basketball on the show for like two months. Because how could you? No. <laughs> how could you at a time we were like done. that? If we blow a 3 0 lead, I might never watch the Sixers again. And I mean that. <laughs> I put on the uh, the NBA Jam and Bead Simmons duo for some hopeful like reverse jinxing or good luck. I'm doing everything. I'm turning cups that were uh-huh. right side up upside down in my cabinets. I'm I'm cleaning stuff. I've put my jewelry on different <laughs> ways. Like I'm trying it all. So, and the worst part about this loss in Game Five. Was that we couldn't dance on the Ben Simmons grave. I know. It ruined the night for us. Oh, my God. Because the Nets get swept. And it's like, well, I can't really say anything. because we The might, only team to get we swept might get reverse swept. <laughs> and then all the news. Bro- oh, he's playing in game four. Oh, my God. He's playing in game four. Wakes up with back spasms. 
I surprise, uh, surprise. Yeah, the Ben's the Ben stuff is um, amazing. That's amazing. It's absolutely. Um, it's kind of funny because the Nets are like about Harden to us. So like, told you so. And we're like, yeah, all right. And then us to them, and it's like, we told you so. And they're like, told yeah, you so. fuck. <laughs> you, it's made right. its way it's to kind like of funny. NBA Reddit. It's kind of funny how both how both teams have just been like, yeah, you were right, actually. Like, <laughs> you know, fair enough. Um, you know, there's win win trades. This was like <laughs> the first lose lose trade. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I saw a really good one. It's like that meme. Uh, of it's like we're short staffed tonight oh yeah and it's like, <laughs> damn that sucks good luck though <laughs> that was ben um the uh i saw one too it was like for hard it was like damn james harden really does make anything look good it was him on a red carpet his uh his first night in philly bell ringing outfit the the puppet jacket that he wore for game one and then it was just a picture of Kyrie and kd <laughs> yeah tough scene tough scene hate to see it Hate to see it. Um, it's weird that everyone has turned on Ben Simmons. Stephen A. Smith with an all-time all-timer. Did you see Kendrick Perkins though? Yes. Th- both of those guys. This is their. This is the pinnacle for them. This is their Mount Olympus. This is like what. This is what they put the work yes. in for. Is moments like that where they're able to slam dunk on Ben Simmons. Skip so Bayless. Um, well, Ben apparently said that. Uh, not even Ben, you know, and that's what I hate about this whole situation too. It's Rich like, Paul. It's it's not even that. It's Wojnarowski tweeting about sources say that Ben Simmons had a conversation and said that it's it's so funny because there's like sources saying Ben Simmons said verbatim this mm-hmm. in a team meeting today. It's like fucking Christ. Like what are we talking about? What are I, we doing? I need nothing more, and not that I ever want anybody to lose their job. But my God, how great is it going to be if the Nets fire Steve Nash and he can just fucking let it loose about this whole situation? I feel stiff for Steve Nash. And what's hilarious about Steve Nash is he used to do soccer coverage. Yeah. He was like doing, he was living the life because he was just going to like Champions League games and just doing some like broadcasting on the side. He was watching like uh, Tottenham, which is his favorite team. He was like watching them live and just getting like commentate on the games and just hang out and do like oh, color comms and just do some like studio work and travel across Europe and watch like awesome soccer games. And now he's like, why did I give that up? <laughs> why did I give that up to live with a shaman and a dude with 17 Twitter burners? Like, <laughs> like it's unreal. I just want to hear him because, like, someone in, someone in Steve Nash's life has to have a conversation and be like, "Listen, that you made like how did he make it his career? Like almost two hundred million dollars, if not more. Like, you don't have to do this. You don't. Like, he's a part owner of the new National Lacrosse League team coming to Vegas just, with Wayne Gretzky. Like, just, just go focus on just that. Do, do your weird Canada stuff. Yeah. Do anything else. Why? Unreal. Um, yeah, shout out to Ben Simmons, who's apparently his, his mental issue that he's having is leading to his back pain. That is the genuine description description now of his, what, what is ailing him. Um, what's crazy is, so let's assume that he even plays in October, November. It's going to have been like 16 months yeah. since he's touched a basketball in a competitive way. Um, concern <laughs> that's a giant red flag um among among a field of red flags at this point but i mean that's that's genuine like if you're like being objective about it that's crazy this guy like mm-hmm. not because of injury we have this back issue apparently but who 
who knows what's true, what's untrue at this point. But like, it's not like he had like you know like the clay situation, right? Where it's like right. torn ACL and then torn Achilles. Like that sucks, you know. And it's like almost two years. Like this dude's almost gonna be out of basketball for a year and a half, pretty much solely because of bruised ego. Like that's it. <laughs> like that's the main chunk here. Like he did not have the back issue. That was not the reason for like seven months he wasn't playing for as as a seventy no. sixer. It's unreal. What and I, what it brings me back all the time too is the reports right before the trade deadline where Ben Simmons would just need a brief physical ramping up period mm-hmm. to get ready, you know, like a week or two, and then he'd be good to go. And here we are in April. His team has been swept. He never saw. Hate seeing his team get swept. Won't let that happen again. It's right. He didn't. He had no effect on that at all. I love that people have been photoshopping the picture of him just standing, watching the dunk in uh, Game 4 into just different scenarios now. It just feels good to have been right. It is. I'm fully convinced that, like, he just doesn't want to play basketball anymore. May not. Like, that's where I'm at on him. Like He may not. There, There's no explanation whatsoever. I also saw a great tweet from our guy Troll Bro Dude and said, uh, it's like the gif of the two guys kind of just staring each other down. It was like Doc Rivers and Ben Simmons meeting up in the Sacramento Kings locker room next year. <laughs> nah, Doc's going to be a Laker. No, he's going to be playing. He's not going to be coaching. Yeah. LeBron's no. going to get him out of retirement. I've, I've never seen like, he Like, apparently LeBron James was Mark Jackson. I'll tell you this. I think <sighs> between Doc Rivers and, and Mark Jackson, you're talking about two Titans for sure, but... I think I think I still might take Doc. Yeah. Honestly. 100%. Well, maybe this conversation is all moot tomorrow night, Thursday, if the Sixers win in Toronto. And nothing would make me happier. Because, goddamn, I'm tired of the insufferable Toronto lights. <sighs> They're the worst. Listen, I'm not going to pretend like Americans are, like, noble creatures. Right. <laughs> like, we, like, we say the most dignified stuff. But... I am sick of the Toronto stuff. Some of the tweets I've I'm seen. S- I'm sick of this Canadian disgusting. nonsense. Oh, my God. It's supposed to be so hospitable and everything. It's You're Jesus. calling for, you know, people get, like, Nancy Kerrigan. It's unreal. Well, they got their wish. There you go. Embiid got hurt. I hope you're happy, Toronto. It's the only one you win playoff series. It's the only one you can win a championship is if everyone else gets hurt. Congrats. Dumb rims. Stupid rims. <laughs> We all know the traditional Big Four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Also, thanks to the Sixers for forcing Game 6 because it's now on round one of the NFL draft night. <laughs> yeah, great. Also, NBA TV sucks. Uh, constantly gets blacked out for me, too, um, t- depending on what device I watch it on, which makes zero sense to me. If I watch it on my TV, fine. If I try and just like watch it on my iPad on bed it, when I'm in bed, doesn't work. Explain that to me. Please, someone. <laughs> That's so stupid. <laughs> I can't say it. Thankfully, it's not as much of a problem anymore because they're going to be on like all the national yeah. 
uh, stations, but um, let's sort that out. Can we sort that out for sports? Can we like just figure out what do I have to pay monthly to just watch my teams play a sport? What do I have to do? Because I'm not doing the cable thing. But tell me, twenty bucks a month. Start the bidding there. I'll, we'll figure it out. Tell me. <laughs> just make it easy. Why do I have to jump through all these hoops? Right. So we have game six and we have round one of the NFL draft, which are our draft segment here is brought to you by our homies over at Bino Board. Uh, Now we got two boards coming to the studio Friday. Uh, Very excited for that. You guys can go to BinoBoard.com. That's B-I-N-H-O-B-O-A-R-D.com. And use our code BinoUSP to get 10% off your board, your accessories, all that good stuff. The Team USA board sold out, but the merch still available Bino USP at BinoBoard.com for 10% off your order. I talked about this on, on the last episode, Matt, and I don't know if you feel the same way, and obviously you're not as big an NFL fan, but, like, this is, like, biggest draft in a long time for the Eagles, and I truly am not juiced for it. It's a weird, it's a weird draft year because there's not these, like, big marquee guys um that we're used to like you you see a lot of this discussion with like we don't even have truly like a consensus number one overall pick there's no like big quarterbacks there's some big like wide receivers Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like uh like linemen and defensive players things that could be like really helpful to building a team but those are not the drafts that people get like juiced up for i wouldn't say um i think in general it's just been because i think that a lot of that is is because like we've had so much other like shit to talk about with philly sports like sometimes we're kind of scraping the barrel it's like all right let's figure it. but there's been there's just been so much mm-hmm. else that it's like yeah kind of don't kind of not that worried about the nfl but um it is an interesting draft though because obviously the eagles have a lot of capital and one thing that i've i've been reading and listening to a lot of people you know, like talk about the draft that i hadn't really thought about but i, I think it's very true is that this is the year that you want to have like a lot of picks because this is the like correction year for a lot of the like COVID seniors or like uh, guys who like lost a year of eligibility. Like this is like a, a good mix of like actual talent that would have been this draft anyway. And guys who got an extended year mm-hmm. or something or, or whatever, like you're so having like even like mid round picks, you know, like between three and five is actually like more valuable than it's ever been. And the Eagles have quite a few of those picks. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting draft because it's probably one of the more important ones that the Eagles have had. <laughs> In terms of like, this is kind of your like, you're turning now, right? Into hopefully into a team that's competitive again, like truly competitive, um, and it, it matters a lot who you get tomorrow night. But in the same sense, it doesn't feel as big yet because also the Eagles aren't in a high position either. And I think so much of the talk last last draft was like, are they going to trade up? Who like this year? It's like not so much. The trade has already happened, mm-hmm. you know, like. And we're kind of set where we are, and that's it. And it's gonna, it's also gonna be a draft too. We're like probably just whoever falls to us, is it? You know, there's not one clear guy that apparently the Eagles are in love with. Not that I, I you know, not that I've heard at least or, or read about. But, yeah, um, that's also the thing too. Is like years past, it's been like, oh, like they're looking at this position, yeah. they're looking at this guy. It's been none of that. Which like, like you don't have the C.D. Lamb drama, right? You don't have the De- Devonte Smith drama this year, and those are like two very big storylines that dominated those drafts um yeah and maybe that's better <laughs> that's better for the Eagles and even like players. the Carson Wentz year it was like yeah. oh how are they gonna move up right. to go get the quarterback right. that they want and 
this, that, and the third. I think there just isn't the noise, which is, again, probably better um, for, for the Eagles in all in all sense. And right now, Tankathon has the Eagles taking George Karolaftis. Uh, that'll be great for WIP hosts and callers to pronounce. Uh, an edge rusher from Purdue at number 15. And then one of the guys that I would love if they got at 18, uh, Traylon Burks, the wide receiver from Arkansas. So I was looking at NFL.com's mock draft. They have Jameson Williams falling to That's the Eagles at 15. That's the guy that I Which would be uh, insane if that the happened. The guy. It's, it's interesting to see where the Eagles go, right? Because there is there is a genuine positional need for a wide receiver, too, I would say, like outside of Devontae Smith. Yeah. like The only person I'd say that's like guaranteed like probably getting like good minutes and then and snaps next year is like Quez Watkins outside yeah. of that like outside of that it's like you could tell me anyone um right. <laughs> so there is like a genuine need for that um I'd say offensive line is a, an area that the, the Eagles can improve yeah. on uh death wise and there are guys in this draft that you can go get are you spending your first pick on that probably not but you know again it's I think some of this is it's a, it's a more fluid situation that's been for the Eagles too where it's like there are positions of need but there are guys that are going to be available at 15 and 18 at both of those positions. There's mm-hmm. there's going to be offensive line guys. There's there's going to be linebackers. There's going to be guys like like cornerbacks still. Like you're going to have all those players available to you. I think too what's what's interesting about the draft for this year for the Eagles is that we've already made this trade for next year, right? To give us right. an additional first round pick. People are already I think mentally looking simulating ahead. to next offseason because we're imagining that. You know, Jalen Hurts has, I think, earned another year mm-hmm. as a starter. I don't know that anyone is, like, truly imagining him as the guy going forward and, like, that. Now, he could, like, surprise us this year, sure. But, like, I think people are already in the mindset of, like, you saw this crazy offseason and you're like, we'd like to get in the mix of that. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, you know, in potentially trading up next draft for, for one of the studs there if another, you know, like, uh, you know, like, big quarterback becomes available. I think people are already kind of, like, jumping ahead. Um, but... You know, it, it's all it's all in the front office now to, to make smart decisions. Yeah, and I think a lot of it, too, is, like, because there's so many positional needs, I think the Eagles need, across the board, depth and starting-wise, people are looking more in the later rounds because that's where the Eagles over the past couple of years have started to hit on picks and guys have developed into starters from those late-round picks. Yeah. Like, look at Jordan Mailata, like, flipped himself from a seventh-round, like, dart throw of a pick former rugby player and then he gets you know starting offensive left tackle money um because he developed and and turned into the player that he is that's where i think a lot of people are paying more attention because it almost seems set in stone that round one they're gonna go somewhere on the defense and then a wide receiver yeah and if they don't i think that's where the discourse and the disappointment will set i wouldn't be surprised if 15 is you know there's like a Four or five wide receivers, I think, are like touted in this draft. And if whoever just kind of falls to them that they like the most, now that hasn't always worked for the Eagles. Um, and then, yeah, that 18th pick might be one of those like you know defensive positions or, or linemen or something like that. But yeah, I mean, you guys have a ton of picks to go through, right? Mm-hmm. They have they have two in the third round, they have a second round pick, of course, uh, one in the fourth, three fifth round picks, uh, which again, you know, like. You could use those to could move be, around. Could be useful too, though. You know, where, where you have like a lot of these, like these older guys that maybe get your hands on, and then a, a seventh round pick. But you know, they they have the capital, they have the need. I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, I mean, it's it's tough too because it's running up against the uh, the Sixers game. So of course, and I think one of the things too is like it'll really set in. Like, oh, I'm juiced for the NFL draft once it kicks off, and you're watching it. 
Um, and it's going to be fun because it's like a lot of it's in person again this year. It's in Vegas, so I'm sure it's going to be, you know, over the top crazy. Um, I'm just, I think the big thing too that'll set the tone for the draft is whoever they take at 15. Yeah. Because after the Eagles pick, there's two picks in between them, obviously, and it's the Saints and the Chargers. And the Saints could easily snake you for one of those wide receivers if you don't take your guy at 15. It's funny because both those teams have similar needs, the Eagles too. Like, all, all three of those teams really need, especially the Saints and Eagles need probably like an additional wide receiver offensive help. But um, especially like the Chargers have a lot of the similar needs that, mm-hmm. that I would say the Eagles have. So that's that's going to be fascinating to see uh, see that where it goes. I'm, I'm excited, you know. It's weird because it's also year two that I think universally like a lot of the reporting about this draft has been everyone wants to move back. No one wants to move up though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like everyone who has like a top pick is like, actually – you can have it. You yeah, it's like, like that scene from SpongeBob. <laughs> yeah, assert yourself. <laughs> Let them have it. it. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. Top bins, top tier commentary, top drawer, upper ninety. You already down. know. You it's more already no. I think that's how it always goes. Like forty-five minutes, and we're at like Chelsea. (laughs) What are we doing? Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. Let's get into uh, our final segment, as we always do on our Wednesday night shows. It is Buffs and Snuffs Survivor Talk. Um, I am putting my votes in. Oh, no, I did my votes already. Smart. Did it early. Um, Last week, one of our bottom three goes home. Chanel, she is done. Guys, hey, we've been on the bottom three this season. We have been. It's been easy to kind of, no pun intended or all pun intended, snuff them out um, because I feel like the, the big dogs are very prevalent yes. throughout um we got the merge got the merge officially and uh it seems like the the big alliance is starting to kind of take place yeah um so chanel goes home not the most earth-shattering uh and i truly I, didn't I understand think. why she was like so pissed off leaving I'll say this too though Good self-reflection on her yes. a lot of times this season where it's like, yeah, I think I just kind of like overestimated or mm-hmm. like didn't quite realize you know, like my position. Um, that's good. Uh, I think to have that like self-realization and reflection I think that reflects on you well as a person. Yeah. I'll tell you who did not impress me this episode. I'm a little worried about his high. Um, kind of unraveling. Unraveled a little bit in this one. A little worried. And 
Also, too, what's interesting is this is two straight votes now where someone that he's been close with, he's helped vote out. Mm -hmm. um, Lydia, who was like willing to go to rocks for, gone. And now Chanel, who he was like tied to, not deeply, but. And it seems like that's in a sense to like attach himself to this like bigger alliance um, that all have people that probably are closer with other people within that alliance and high like he's no yeah. one's number one no and it just feels like maybe he's uh he's, he's definitely on like bit. one of the lower rungs on the totem pole in the big brain trust like if high went home this week i don't know that i would be floored Shocked, by that yeah. whereas you know two weeks ago i was like this guy looks he great he looks amazing um i just i think his position has been bad drea the thanos of this season just collecting <laughs> Collecting every advantage gets the um, the uh, knowledge is power advantage, which is the most overpowered advantage, uh, especially in a season like this where you literally know everyone who has an idol. Everyone so, on Survivor Twitter was like, as soon as that happened, it was ultimate just eye roll <laughs> emojis because it is the dumbest advantage. It's so in a normal season, it necessarily wouldn't, right? Because there's still some like you don't really know. This season, literally, people have to say these, like, yeah. stupid rhymes and idioms, you know, at the beginning of challenges. Everyone knows who has an idol. Everyone knows the three people that have an idol They're right reading now. reading from Aesop's fables. And she also knows the um the, the two, uh, what are they calling it? The It's like the super idol thing. Yeah, the, the idol that they all have. I can't remember the, the yeah. gauntlet or whatever they're calling it. Um, you know, the three of them share, essentially, that gets more powerful as less people have it. So it incentivizes you in a way to like float people off. Um, so she has a lot going for her. Uh, what worries me about that is I think when you can have so much on your plate, it's like kind of get overloaded. Mm -hmm. And I just hope she uses it effectively. But in terms of like strength in the game, I mean, Jesus, <laughs> like she has she the, everything. the uh, thing that worries me with Drea. If you're a fan of Drea is she is not good at playing things off. She certainly, I mean, the paint thing with the Tori. The paint thing was awful. That was tough because it's like you literally have paint on your arm and yeah. like kind of hard to explain away. Um, but that was that. And then when they was, were in the group collective and it's yeah. like, oh, I'm going to go get firewood. <laughs> yeah, she. She's not great. She's, at, she is what I would call like a calm sea person. Yes. Like when the waves start coming in, it's like, you should come. You could, you should sit on the beach. Actually, yeah. you shouldn't be out there in this like. When it's when it's calm water, sure. But I think Drea sometimes, yeah. Mike's I, been great. Mike has been amazing. Truly, one of the. <laughs> we got an eye, man. He's amazing. He's Dude, so I'm telling awesome. you, if you're firefighter from the Northeast and you go on Survivor, so cool. you're my guy already. And you you're probably gonna be great at the game. He's such everyone, a great people person too. He, like everyone, so open. Everyone that has a conversation with him and goes to confession offers, like Mike is just such a nice person. Oh, it's awesome. He's so open. He's so like so comfortable to talk to. We had this deep conversation. It's just like, God damn, man. <laughs> like, I love this guy. <laughs> Omer uh, has been like him, Omer, and Jonathan. Uh which power trio. Like the most amazing, amazing three people. Power trio. It's great stuff. Omer's been like on a new level. Uh, Omer has been episodes. Omer's been impressive. Uh Romeo has been um not impressive not impressive but also great tv yes because he is just like just shaking at the core i mean he he is his paranoia is unreal 
I like if he was inside of a building, I would ask him to leave for fear that it's a carbon monoxide leak. Like that's like the level that he's at. It's it's amazing stuff though. And it's hard, you know. I have to imagine it's hard to not be paranoid at times, but yeah, um, tough to see. But yeah, love love Omer. Roxroy also seems like in limbo again. Roxroy to me just feels like so, like solid part of the alliance. I struggled to see a path for Roxroy to yeah. win this game. Still though, I just I. I, I don't see it. There's a few players that I think already that I, I don't see how they win. So with Chanel gone, we'll have a new member in the bottom three, but our top three, mine, it's Jonathan, Mike, and Omer right now. I, I have to put Dre in there simply because if you have that many advantages, you have to yeah. be considered like a massive threat. Um, I think we've gotten a lot of screen time from Mike, Omer, and Jonathan, which would lead you to believe like yeah these are good players stories this season but you know like at this stage i think to this stage last season and the people that were being shown the most be like didn't end up winning yeah. right like i mean really like erica at this stage of the season was still i would say relatively Unknown. unheard of uh, unheard from yeah right um and yeah i just think drea has she's i think largely been impressive i do think there's some weaknesses in like how she like handles like pressure situations mm-hmm. but um no one is like gunning for her, which, which is, is good too. Wild. Like it's good to be in that position. And Tori is suspicious of her, but doesn't firmly know, of course, uh, that she has this advantage. So with that, I, I just think she has to be. I don't know who I knock out of that three. Um, I, th- uh, I think probably. Hmm, I think Jonathan, just because people are very aware of his yeah. threat level, uh, whereas Mike and Omer, I think, are a little more under the radar. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what worries me about him. So I, I would go Drea, Mike, Omer. We also didn't mention Chanel, first member of the jury. Yes. So we have our jury starting to kind of take place. Uh, your bottom three. Romeo, Roxroy. Um, I think I've had Marianne on there, and I just it's, – it's no shade on Marianne. But someone's got to be in the bottom three. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think all three of those players – I'm not sure that I see how yeah. their path to winning Survivor this season. Um, I don't think there's necessarily like, bad players, right? But I just think if you ask me the three people I would be most surprised end up winning this season, that's the three. Also stunned that Tori's won back-to-back. Tori's been amazing uh, in challenges and is good in a lot of ways. And I think is climbing up the leaderboards too in yeah. terms of like in terms of hype and in terms of just performance. I mean, she's been very good. Killing it in challenges. Yeah. Those are the type of people, too, that I think we overlook in challenges, right? Like, you don't have to... Like, Jonathan has also done well in challenges. Mm-hmm. He's coming second. <laughs> you know, like... But it's also the people that are just, like... I, like, I just can tell that Tori does, like... She's, like, got a Peloton over COVID or something. You know, like, it's just... You don't have to be 285 pounds of muscle. You right. just have to be, like, good at balancing, good at core strength, like, good at something just the small, finite, like, tactile things. Yeah. And, like, good under pressure. That's what matters. You don't have to be like a world class athlete to to win like the survivor challenges. It, it stopped being about like raw strength a long time yeah. ago. Now it's just about like how good are you at pressure situations? How good are your puzzles? How and, much yoga do you do? And, <laughs> and how long can you stand in like one spot yeah. balancing something? You know, like honestly, that's that's kind of what it's turned into, which is good because I think it levels it out a little mm-hmm. bit. But yeah, Tori Tori is like the new mold of person for like these challenges like typically too like women have been killing it yeah in individual challenges a lot over the last few years and i think 
it's because you've had this like leveling off of challenges where it's no longer about like can you deadlift 300 pounds right it's like hey can you solve this puzzle after you know whatever or can you rolling a giant ball right or can you just stand still like and just like compose yourself for an hour yeah holding something or standing on something well, can you how, what is your here. what is your pain tolerance you know right so we're going to go catch the next episode of Survivor. Make sure you guys are following us on Twitter and Instagram at UndergroundPHI. Follow Matt at Matt Castorina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, UndergroundSportsPhiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. Subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let us know how you're feeling about the state of all of our, our favorite sports teams, your Survivor takes, all that good stuff. Leave it in the podcast reviews and leave it in the comment section on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just search Underground Sports Philadelphia. Hit the like button. Click the bell icon for uh, notifications so you don't miss a video. And, of course, comment and get the comment section flowing on YouTube. Uh, big thank you to our sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, The Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, Tomahawk Shades, best small batch eyewear in the game. Go to TomahawkShades.com. Use promo code USP for 25% off your order at TomahawkShades.com. Kenwood Beer, go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And our pals over at Bino, go to BinoBoard.com. Thinking about, I was talking to Sarah about this, having just a, an office Bino league might be on the horizon of a chat uh so binoboard.com b-i-n-h-o-b-o-a-r-d.com and use code bino usp for 10 percent off your order from our pals over at bino this has been episode number 424 of underground sports philadelphia tune in right after this on our twitter and on our facebook matt dom rocking with top bins uh so tune in for that and until then we are signing off peace I'm